Hey, this is Stephen A. Smith from No Mercy. Festivals, football, flannels. Some say fall is their favorite time of year. And this fall, there are now updated COVID-19 booster shots designed to help protect against COVID-19 variants. If you've had your primary series, schedule an updated COVID-19 booster shot appointment as soon as you're eligible. And don't forget to enjoy the foliage sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Whether you're home or away, stay connected to your team with T-Mobile, the network that covers 99% of people in America. They've been investing billions to light up their best network ever. From your backyard to a sold-out stadium, get T-Mobile's best coverage yet. Plus, with T-Mobile, you get a price lock guarantee, so they won't raise the price of your rate plan. There's never been a better time to switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Coverage not available in some areas. Price lock for current on-network rate plan. Talk, text, and data on qualifying line for new accounts. See exclusions and details at T-Mobile.com. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. Uh, all right, let's move to running backs. I got Christian McCaffrey at number one against Seattle. Uh, this game is on Thursday night. If you have a free bench spot you know, on the platform where you can pick up players, leave them on your bench, and then you know, drop them at any point between Thursday and Saturday, like you can on Yahoo, on Sleeper, uh, pick up Jordan Mason uh, because, you know, you never know. Yeah. Knock on wood. Uh, you know, you don't want to be fighting for him on waivers if, in case anything were to happen to Christian McCaffrey. So if everything's all Let good. Put that man in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if everything's all good with McCaffrey after the game, you just drop Mason and you pick up somebody else. That's how yeah. I, would, I would treat this, especially now since, you know, fantasy playoffs are here. Uh, right. But McCaffrey, you know, he's been a monster over the last two games without Elijah Mitchell. No surprise that he's been the overall RB1 during that span. Uh, and the Seahawks. Uh, have given up the most fantasy points to running backs over the last four weeks and the second most throughout the course of the season. So McCaffrey should get it done this week. That's why he's at number one. Yeah, uh, no, no debate for me on this one. Christian McCaffrey, I said a couple of weeks ago that he would be back at RB1 by week 14. And he's actually there at week 13. So he's going to be, I think, having a stranglehold on this post as RB1 unless you know some fantastic matchup comes along or something would happen to Christian McCaffrey. Like you said, knock on wood. Hopefully he's healthy, but I think he's going to be here the rest of the season as long as he keeps 100%. playing the way he is. The offense is going to run through him, especially with Brock Purdy. Even though he's been playing well at quarterback, uh, it's going to run through Christian McCaffrey. Yep, especially with Debo out, you know, Debo yeah, and Elijah true. out the rest of the season. Derrick Henry, have him at number two against the Chargers. I mean, not much else to say here, right? Great running back against a terrible rushing defense. Yep. Uh, Josh Jacobs against New England. He actually had some rest for that calf after playing last Thursday night. Uh, well-deserved yeah. rest that his team refused to give him. Uh, but Austin Eckler, I have him at number four. Uh, tough matchup against Tennessee, but you know he's so involved in the pass game that he should be fine. We yeah. saw Samaji P. Ryan have a good game against Tennessee several weeks ago. Um, and then Tony Pollard to round out the top five. He's been the RB2 behind McCaffrey over the last two weeks. And he's going up against Jacksonville. And that's another team that him and Zeke can potentially run all over. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys offense is going to run through, obviously, the run game. For some reason, they've been making Dak throw it a lot. They did that a lot last week against Houston, which went against what you'd expect for the game script with Houston being such a bad defense. But they kind of got away from it. They should go back to it this week. You know, they're going to figure it out. Um, they just lost uh, their starting right tackle to Dallas did. So they might lean more on the run game so that they can keep Dak clean. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But I like Tony Pollard here at five. Regardless of the matchup and regardless of the fact that Zeke has been performing very well, you know, in terms of fantasy, he's still getting it done for you. And at a high level, I think you can keep him here at five and be justified. 
And then also with Josh Jacobs, like you said about that rest thing, that three-game stretch earlier in the season, you know, where he got all those touches, he had 34 touches one week, 26 touches the next week, and then 24 touches the week after that. He beat that these past few weeks and in a shorter time frame, you know, in terms of how long he's had between games. He had 40 touches against Seattle. Then he had 28 touches against the Chargers and then 29 on a Thursday night four days later with that calf injury. So they're really just running him into the ground. Maybe they're realizing that they should have, you know, taken that fifth-year option and accepted it instead of declining it. Now they're like, oh, crap, if we don't sign him, we might as well get our use out of him. And they're just running him in the ground. So I'm not expecting anything to slow down. If he continues to get that workload, obviously he's going to produce. But, um, yeah, just something to note. You know, he's getting used at a rate even higher than he was before. So there's no reason to rank him any lower, uh, regardless of the matchup. For sure. Uh, I, I moved Jonathan Taylor all the way up to six this week against Minnesota. They've given up the fourth most fantasy points to running backs over the past four weeks. Uh, and like I said with Matt Ryan, I can see him moving the ball through the air pretty easily in this game. Uh, and Taylor can potentially see some goal line roll, uh, goal line carries, maybe a multiple touchdown game. You know, we've been waiting for that for Jonathan Taylor. This could be that week. And, yeah. you know, I'm hoping for an increased role in the receiving game for Taylor in this game. You know, he's running all the routes. You know, he's basically on the field running around on almost every drop back. Uh, he, he needs the targets, you know, four targets in each of the last three games for him, which isn't enough. Like, I feel like he needs more than that. But, mm-hmm. you know, Minnesota has allowed eight catches per game over the last four weeks to running backs, which is insane. Um, yeah. You know, hopefully the Colts can take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the Colts are going to have a good day, too. Obviously, this is the Vikings defense that we're talking about. But outside of that fourth quarter against Dallas, I mean, the first three quarters, the offense looked like it was moving the ball pretty well. And it was against a good Cowboys defense. So now they're going up against the Vikings, who have been you know, porous at best. You know, I, I think that this could turn into a, another high-scoring game. And that's what we've seen a lot from the Vikings, too. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Colts come off their bye. You know, they're rested. They might have had more time to game plan. Um, they didn't have as bad as a game a game as the score would indicate against Dallas. I think they could build on that. Matt Ryan, like you said, should be able to get his thing done. And then Jonathan Taylor should be able to do it too, because like you said, a lot of points um, allowed by the Vikings to running backs in the past few weeks. And with Jonathan Taylor, like you said, we'd love to see him get more passing work. I think that should be in the cards. They should look, you know, at least Jeff Saturday should look back at what he did the first week that he had it, that he had the um, head coaching role, how he used Jonathan Taylor and get back to that. I got Dalvin Cook at seven. Uh, he's been disappointing lately. You know, three of his last four games with single-digit PPR fantasy points. But he's getting the volume, at least. So, you know, when when a guy's getting 75% of snaps, 85% of snaps, you got to keep starting him, you know, regardless of, of the matchup. Yeah, that one's pretty simple. And it's odd to see him get that type of work and not do much with it. But this has been, you know, a hot and cold offense. And a lot of it has revolved around Justin Jefferson. And Dalvin Cook is no longer the focal, focal point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and I got Nick Chubb at number eight against Baltimore at home. He had an efficient day against them in week seven. Uh, went 16 for 91 and a touchdown. Uh, and then he had two disappointing games in a row. Uh, but, you know, it's like one of those things where Baltimore, you know, has gotten better. You know, they've been stifling running backs ever since that game. And now, I, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, you know, you have a banged up Saquon Barkley, who I have at nine here. You have yeah. Miles Sanders at 10 in a great matchup in Chicago, you know, and this is really high for Sanders, like in terms of ranking. Yeah. But he's on a roll and he has a great matchup. Like if you have Chubb or Barkley, would you consider benching either of them for Miles Sanders this week? 
I would with Saquon. I'm not sure I would with Nick Chubb. I still have faith in Nick Chubb. He's been quiet these past few weeks, but I still have faith for him to kind of turn things around. Um, he, Like you said, he was efficient against Baltimore before, although Baltimore's defense has been playing better as of late. Right. It's close. I would definitely put Miles Sanders maybe over Saquon Barkley, and that is so weird to say considering he said don't draft <laughs> me. But he said the matchup is perfect. You know, for Miles Sanders, he's been on a bit of a roll. He's had some big games these past few weeks. Oh, yeah. And he's starting to show a little bit more consistency in terms of the usage that he's getting and in terms of his efficiency. So I think maybe you'd start Miles Sanders over Saquon Barkley. I'm not ready to pull the trigger yet on starting him over Nick Chubb because Nick Chubb, he could have a big day anytime. And Kareem Hunt isn't really applying a whole lot of pressure, um, you know, in terms of him getting more snaps. So I think Nick Chubb has it locked down. I think I would still start him over Miles Sanders this week. If we see another big game, which is very possible with Miles Sanders, and Nick Chubb has another quiet day, then we'll talk. So talk to me in a week, and we'll see where things stand. I would leave but Zach, uh, Nick Chubb over Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders won't be going up against Chicago, No, Zach. No, he won't. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think you drafted Nick Chubb to be a stud. I think he is very much capable of being a stud. Miles Sanders, he could be a dud any week, too. And he's been playing well, but we've seen this with Miles Sanders. Sometimes they just get away from him. They've been relying on the run game a lot because they've been up in games. Chicago might be able to hang around a little bit because of Justin Fields. So we'll see how things go. Well, speaking of Justin Fields, uh, he's not feeling well. He's sick. They're calling him day to day with a sickness. So day to day sickness. How bad is that sickness if you're calling him day to day? Right. Hey man, I don't know. Maybe he got the vid. I don't know. No idea. <laughs> who who, who knows? I, I feel like even if you have COVID, I, I don't even think they like leave you out of practice anymore. You just like, no. you just practice no. and you're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I can see it, man. Like I that's why I have him at ten, and it's tough. Like if you're play if you're playing a full PPR league. You know, Saquon's getting targeted in the past game, even though he's not doing a whole lot with it. So mm. it, it's keeping his floor relatively high. And he did practice in full today uh, with that neck injury, so he doesn't seem to be banged up anymore, uh, or at least it, it might not affect him as much, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Sanders, like, <laughs> he definitely has a lot of upside this week. That's why he's all the way up at 10. Uh, then I got Joe Mixon at 11 uh, against Tampa Bay. He went into... Uh, Joe Mixon went into a bit more of a timeshare with Samaj P. Ryan this past Sunday. Like, I don't want to read yeah. too much into it, you know, given that it was his first game back from a concussion. We, we've seen we've seen teams be relatively cautious with players in their first game back. But his snapshot went down all the way to 58%. And we'll see if this was because of the concussion or because Samaj P. Ryan earned a larger share of the backfield. Yeah. I don't know how much earning there is to do in this backfield. You know, Samaj P. Ryan... He's been like the passing down guy for the Bengals since Joe Mixon has been there. You know, that's been a problem with Joe Mixon's game. That's why he's never really ascended to that top five running back status. We've always had him as like a low or mid RB1, which is fine. But I think this was definitely them just kind of easing him back into it. I think Joe Mixon can get back to the spot that we want him to get to. Samaja Piran's good, and he did very well filling in. But I think that it should be at least a 70-30, 65-35 split, not how we saw it last week. It was more like 45-55. Um, I, I think that Joe Mixon should be able to get back to that. Against Tampa I, Bay, I, we'll see. I agree ready? that it should be like that. But these coaches, you never know what, what they're going to do, right? And yeah. the way that Samaji has played over the past couple of weeks, tough tough Tennessee defense. He played really well. Um, I mean, he he killed the Tennessee defense. Look at what Travis Etienne did last week. He didn't do nothing. Yeah. With guys banged up. Samaji Piran did it with... You know, relatively healthy 
you know, front front seven for Tennessee. Um, so you know, it's worth paying attention to because uh, you know, if 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 Samaji Pirine is going to move into that rushing share of Joe Mixon's, it could affect him. Right. Yes, he was the passing down guy coming into this coming into the season and throughout the first, you know, half of the season, he's been that guy. But yep. if he's gonna like in this game, his rushing share went up by a little bit. Gotta gotta pay attention, you know, just a little bit, you know, because Joe Mixon, he he might not move very past, you know, far past this like low end RB one mark the rest of the way. Um, but at least he's on a good offense. You know, hopefully, you know, if some of these wide receivers are out as well. We could see Joe Mason get a few more targets on early downs. That's the hope. Right. Hopefully, that's the case moving forward. Um, I have Zeke at twelve. Uh, you know, he's been getting it done every week. He scored in six straight games. You know, this is what this team does. You know, they run the ball. That's their identity. Yeah. He's seen at least fifteen carries each of the last four weeks, and he has been involved in the pass game too over the past two weeks. So I'm gonna just continue to ride the production. Like he's somebody that you just don't want on your bench. Like he'll be in my lineup regardless moving forward, which is crazy to say. With Zeke, yeah, you know, I have him at twelve, you know, in, in on a in a week where every team is playing. Yeah, that's just been one of the stories so far this season. You know, Zeke, maybe he just needed Tony Pollard to come back and you know help, you know, get him back to where he can be fresh every down that he plays. I don't think he's at a point where he can handle you know workhorse type of role anymore. I think Tony Pollard can do that, but Zeke is a little bit older. You know, he's been banged up a little bit these past few seasons. I think he's in a perfect role right now. The past six games that he's played, like you said, he scored. And listen to these stat lines, you know, PPR points that he's put up. They are identical. 15.6, 17.7, 17.7, 16.5, 18.1, 17.1. Like, you know exactly what you're getting with Z. Um, he's a high-end RB2. <laughs> you know, it's not even like you, if you have him as a flex, you know, that's even better. You know, that means you're starting somebody better at RB2. But you can put him at your RB2 and just, like, you know, sleep well at night. And he's been doing it regardless of matchup. You know, it's it doesn't matter who he goes against. And with Tony Pollard playing well, it doesn't matter he's scoring touchdowns. He has four, five, six, seven, eight touchdowns. Yeah, eight touchdowns the past six weeks that he's played. You know, he, I think he's a lock for that pretty much now. He's the new Jamal Williams at this point. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I have James Conner uh, all the way down at 14. Uh, I skipped Aaron Jones. Sorry, Aaron. Uh, but I have Aaron Jones at 13. Ahead of James Conner, uh, you know, it looks like Aaron Jones is going to be fine. He's practicing. Uh, he had some sort of injury. I think it was a calf injury, if I'm not mistaken. He had a calf injury, you know, before their bye. So it looks like he's good to go. Uh, so he'll be fine. He has, you know, that ceiling. The only reason why I don't have James Conner ahead of him is because of the matchup. Um, yeah. And, you know, one can argue that James Conner should be at 14. You know, without Kyler, though, like this offense in general just might have a lower ceiling. You know, especially against Denver, are they going to be able to move the ball that much? So that's my only concern there, uh, which I don't have the concern for Green Bay. So that's why I have right. Aaron Jones ahead of James Conner. But, you know, James Conner, three of his last four games, he's won over 20 PPR fantasy points. Uh, he's playing an every down role. He only missed like a handful of snaps, less than a handful of snaps. And that was with him getting hurt in one of the on one of these plays and coming right back in. Uh, right. on uh, this past week on Thursday Thursday night? Yeah. No, mm-hmm. on Monday night. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So it, it's something Thursday. to like, yeah, yeah. Even it, like this looks like a tough matchup on paper, but I'm not avoiding it at all because his role is one of the best in the NFL right now. Yeah, he's a floor play and that's okay. Especially against Denver, you know, if you're, you could start him and be all right. But Aaron Jones, the thing for me, I think I definitely have him over James Conner, especially with the matchups. But the thing about Aaron Jones is his role in the receiving game. Um, he got a couple end zone targets. 
<laughs> like last week. Like the one yeah. I think traveled 30 yards in the air. I was like, oh, who's he throwing to? Is it gonna be Aaron Rodgers throwing to? Is it gonna be Christian Watson? No, it was Aaron Jones down in the end zone. So I wouldn't undervalue his role there. I think he could get it done in the receiving game. Um, and we've seen AJ Dillon, he's come on a little bit these past few weeks after going really quiet. But I, Aaron Jones still, you know, I think the RB1 there and he's gonna be doing it. And they're gonna need to use him, uh, especially, you know. Maybe Jalen Ramsey gives Christian Watson some fits. We'll have to see how that goes. But I think Aaron Jones is locked in. His workload should be enough and diverse enough in terms of, you know, catching passes and running the ball. That I think his ceiling's a little bit higher than James Conner against Denver. I got Isaiah Pacheco at 15 in a great matchup against Houston. Uh, he's seen at least 16 touches in four of his last five games. So, you know, Pacheco, you know, on this offense, you know, that's what you want. You know, you want this is a very good matchup for running backs. We'll see if the Chiefs choose to run the ball against them. McKinnon is kind of stealing some of that rushing work away. So keep that in mind. Like it's not the Pacheco show. Pacheco is definitely the 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 one in this backfield. Uh, and and McKinnon is the two in terms of the rushing share. In, in terms yeah. of the receiving, McKinnon is running a ton of routes. He's the guy there. Uh, and when it comes to the ends, when it comes to the goal line, and when it comes to like red zone inside the ten, it could be either guy. If they're at the yeah. goal line, they want to run the ball, probably Pacheco. But you never know. McKinnon can get you know just to confuse the defenses a little bit. McKinnon can be on the field too. So you never know who's going to be the guy there. However, in this two-man backfield, the floors of each of these guys have have gone up, you know, without CEH in the fold. So, yep. you know, Pacheco, four straight games of, of double-digit, you know, PPR fantasy points, you know, in a great matchup against Houston. You know, he's a he's a pretty easy start this week. Yeah, he's he's looking good. He's a pretty safe bet, like you said, with the rushing work that he's getting to produce at least a little bit and enough that you won't be upset if you start him. Um, I like Jerk McKinnon's upside in the receiving game, but obviously that's not enough to put him over Isaiah Pacheco, who's more of the sure thing. Um, and that's about that. You covered it pretty well. Uh, I, I'm thinking Isaiah Pacheco should be all right, uh, regardless of matchup against Houston. It's a good matchup, so I wouldn't be surprised to do him see him do well. Maybe another 100-yard 100, 100 performance on the ground. We'll see if they just you know kind of rely on that because Houston has been pretty good against quarterbacks. And I'm not just saying yeah. that because the Cowboys didn't play well against them last week. They've been pretty good in terms of fantasy they perspective. Have. They don't allow a whole lot of points. So keep an eye on Isaiah Pacheco. He might finish you know a lot higher than we have him ranked. Um, I think he'll definitely hit his you know, 10, 12-point threshold that he's been locked in at these past few weeks. So. No, 100%. Um, let's see. I have Raheem Mostert at 16. Now, I have Raheem Mostert this high at 16, assuming Jeff Wilson does not play. So right. if Jeff Wilson does play, Raheem Mostert is going to fall way down, I would say. Um, he would probably fall somewhere probably in the late 20s, something like that, maybe as a mm-hmm. mid-RB3. Uh, but if Jeff Wilson isn't out, I'm Jeff Wilson is out, I'm going to put Raheem Mostert right here at 16 uh, against Buffalo because he will get all the work. And if anyone gets all the work on a decent offense, you know, I don't think Miami's going to shit the bed, you know, an, another week. I think this will be a more competitive game. Even with the um, weather? I don't know. I'll have to see. I'm not saying they're going to yeah. completely shit the bed, but maybe that just lines up Raheem Mostert for more work. You know, they, they have to rely maybe, on the ground. Yeah, game. it really depends on the weather. Like, I, like, I'm kind of treating this right now as, like, I don't know what the weather's going to be like. You know, right. that's, I guess that's what I'm, I'm – I, I keep talking about this game like the weather's fine, um, but mm-hmm. it, it might not be. So, like, you know, we have to keep in mind – I, I want to make sure that I don't, you know, discount what could happen in this game because let's talk. We should talk about how this game can look, um, you know, with without the weather. And then if the weather occurs, like 
if the if it's crazy snow, then we're like, all right, what do we do? Do we upgrade everybody? I'm sorry, do we downgrade everybody? Do we upgrade mm-hmm. just the running backs? Do we even upgrade the running backs? Like, I don't even know if I want to upgrade the running backs, you know, if the conditions are terrible. Like, I don't even, if the conditions are terrible, I'm going to downgrade everybody, including the running backs, including running backs. I think seven inches of snow, obviously not debilitating like three feet of snow. <laughs> I think that should be something that they'll have the field prepared for. There might be a little white on the field. It might be snowing. I'm not expecting it to be a whiteout. I mean, if it's only seven inches of snow, if it's seven inches of snow that fall during game time, you know, in those three hours, obviously that's a lot different, but I don't think that's going to be the case. It might just be a light snow. It might not affect them at all. Um, it might so not. I and, you know, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the wind too. It's like the wind is looking at 13, 10 miles per hour. Which is yeah. not a lot at all, you know. That's that that if it's ten miles per hour, ten mile per hour winds, we're looking at a pretty good passing day. You yeah. know, uh, it's not bad at all. So just keep that in mind. Like the conditions can be bad, but let's wait and see on that. Um, but for now, like I think Raheem Mostert, you know, at sixteen should be fine. I have Travis Etienne all the way down at seventeen against Dallas. You know, this is a tough overall matchup for the offense. Um, you know, Dallas can be. You know, not on the you know on the ground, but ETN, you know, he listen. His role's great. He's getting volume, but he hasn't had a good game since Week Nine against Vegas, right? He, yeah. he ten points against KC. The last three games, obviously in Week Twelve against Baltimore, he left that game super early, and you know wasn't able to do much in that game. But last week, seventeen carries. The week before that, thirteen carries. Uh, he did relatively well against Detroit, you know. But I think he had a fumble in that game, if I'm not mistaken. So, fumble loss. So that wasn't good. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know his, his snaps are up there. Seventy five percent of snaps last week. You can't sit that. You know, um, despite whatever you think of the matchup and despite what he's done over the past couple of weeks. I know everyone's tempted to bench Travis Etienne. You know, if you have a Zonovan Knight, if you have a David Montgomery, I get it. But um, personally, I think Etienne can still get it done this week as he's gotten it done in tough matchups earlier on in the season. Yeah, I think Etienne can get it done. It, it, I think this Jaguars offense has been playing well despite him not doing his thing. So I think if they figure out a way to get him involved, which they might need to do against, you know, a pretty good team in Dallas, they can figure out a way to get him involved. He, he could do really well. I can see it's being a multi-touchdown day if they can get things clicking. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. It seems like if ETN's going to get more carries, it's going to come out of his receiving work. He's had 17 carries, obviously, last week, no targets. But then he went down to 13 carries the week before that, and he got three targets. So it's interesting to see how they're using him. I think they should get him more involved in the passing game because I think he has a lot to offer there, but we'll see. I, I, I wouldn't even expect it at this point because he's not, he hasn't had th- more than three catches in any game this season. So don't even expect it. You know what I'm saying? Like just expect him, his production to mostly be on the ground. Uh, and yeah. That's what I would expect. And then if he does get a couple targets, he could be efficient with those targets, but you know, don't, don't expect it. Just expect him. You know, you, if you're, if you're someone with Travis Etienne, you're hoping that this game stays relatively close. Yeah, it, it should. Like it, that's what you're looking for. The thing is, that's kind of interesting to me is that Damian Pierce went into Dallas, you know, on a cold streak, and he kind of revived himself a little bit. You know that he he played decently well. He had seven three seventy three yards on the ground. He got back up to a startable you know level before he went out with the injury. So maybe Travis Etienne can do the same thing. We'll have to see how that goes. It really He's depends not- on whether Jacksonville can stay in this game. 
right? That's yeah. what it depends on. Like and the only reason why Damian Pierce was able to get the volume last week is because Houston was in the game. They were leading for a big part of the game as well. And Damian Pierce was able to get that volume. So as long as ETN, you know, as long as Jaguars can stay in this game, that's what matters when it comes to ETN. If, if I see the Dallas go up by like two or three touchdowns early, uh, it would be tough for me to think that ETN would have a good game after that. Yeah, it, it, it's tough to gauge what, what's happening because Travis Etienne, he should be playing better than this. We saw him play much better than, than this on the same role earlier in the season. So it, he's due for a bounce back for sure. Yeah, I think that kind of plays into and it a little bit. At least he's for not me. the type of back you want to have on your bench because he's he could go for twenty five any sing, any given right. game. You know, like but, he's a big right, yeah. he's a big play guy. And we talked about this, you know, when he was still fighting with James Robinson for a role that, you know, he passes the eye test with flying colors. You know, he looks really good when he plays. It just hasn't been there. So maybe a bounce back. If not this week, I'm not sure if it'll be next week either. Um, but at some point, you got to figure they're going to turn around with Travis Etienne. Just make it to your championship game with Travis Etienne because he has Houston in week 17. Okay, yeah. that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Zodeman Knight <laughs> got him at 18 here. Uh, this is basically where he's going to stay uh, for the most part. You know, he's he's good for like, you know, 15 to 20 touches. He's involved in the pass game as well. Uh, going up against Detroit, this is a tough matchup for running backs uh, lately. But uh, I think I still think he can get it done. You know, Minnesota also wasn't allowing a ton of fan, a ton of yards per carry against them. And he was able to get it done against them. So not that many running backs are breaking tackles at the rate that Zonovan Knight is. He is a good running back. He's looking good. And if this Jets offense is going to do anything uh, in this game, it's a lot of it's going to go through Zonovan Knight. Yeah, and Michael Carter at this point is an afterthought, right? I mean, <laughs> in terms of fantasy, I mean, at least. I-, I wouldn't say so. Yeah, in terms of fantasy, yes, you can start Michael Carter. But he's not an afterthought in the backfield because he's still playing 50% of snaps. Like, he's still out there. He's still running routes. He just happened to not get the touches last week. All right, so I don't think that's going to be too much of a threat to Zombie Knight. I wouldn't be surprised to see Zombie Knight get more touches. That That's just me. If I'm a coach, I give Zombie Knight more touches. But obviously, I'm not the coach. Um, I think this I is... I can a- see it. If the Jets go up in a game, like, you know, like last week, they were down, right? Like, if they go yeah. up in a game, I could see him getting 20, 22, 23 carries. Definitely. Yeah, I think that would be in the cards. And do you think they can go up this week against Detroit? I mean, this... Jets defense. Well, I don't think it's anything that the so Lions Vegas, have seen recently. The Vegas has does have the Jets favored in this game at home. Yeah, Preciser has the Lions favored, but you know, so this could go either way. So there is a chance that the Jets are up in this game or are in a neutral game script all, all game long. Right. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food, the sweet salty snack you need this holiday season. Air pop popcorn tossed in delicious white cheddar cheese or mixed with sweet caramel and cheddar. It's the perfect snack for your smart holiday party. Shop now at snacks.com. I got David Montgomery at 19 here. Like this one's pretty simple. He's playing an every down role right now. Uh, Khalil Herbert could come back in week 16. So you have like another week of David Montgomery playing a workhorse role. So even against Philly, you know, they're not great against running backs. They've actually given up some fantasy points two running backs this year. So Montgomery, you know, they're going to want to try and run the ball against Philly um, opposed to passing against them. And obviously, you know, with Justin Fields out there, you know, who is he passing the ball to anyway, <laughs> you know, with the, with yeah. Daniel Mooney out. So they're going to try to establish the run uh, as much as they can. And David Montgomery's going to be a huge part of that. You know, he's been getting it done lately, you know, when while Khalil Herbert has been out. 
So, you know, go ahead and start him. And I had Kenneth Walker at 20. You know, Kenneth Walker is usually in the top 10, 12, 15 at the worst, but he's coming off the injury, number one. And number two, he's going up against San Francisco. Yeah, and it's a short week. So, yeah, I don't know if that factors into the injury, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Do you think Travis Homer might have any shot at still taking some snaps? Do you think they might have him on a snap count, Kenneth Walker, this week? Might I don't know. I mean, tra- Travis Homer was always the passing down back anyway, so he's going to get some snaps. Uh, but right. Walker, you know, he did practice in full yesterday. I'm expecting him to practice in full again today. Um, so that's, you know, take that for what it is. He seems like he's okay. Seems like he's healthy yeah. enough to practice in full on a Tuesday. That's a good sign. Uh, but at the same time, the the matchup is rough. Uh, that's my only concern with Kenneth Walker this week. Yeah, and he's kind of come back down to earth, you know, from what he was earlier in the season scoring touchdowns. He hasn't uh, scored a touchdown in two of the past three weeks, although he did have two touchdowns against Las Vegas um, a couple weeks ago. But uh, outside of that, he hasn't been very explosive. You know, he didn't have many carries, obviously, against the Rams because he got hurt. But um, Tampa Bay, he took 10 for 17, and that wasn't very efficient at all. So his run game ability has kind of worn down a little bit from what we've seen it. I think he can get back to that, but maybe not this week against Tampa. And that, I think, warrants him being at 20. He was on his way to a good game last week against the Rams, but unfortunately he had to get out of that game. Um, Let's see. Oh, I'm sorry, two weeks ago against the Rams. I got Alvin Kamara all the way down at 21. He's just really, really hard to trust right now. Now, Mark Ingram, you know, he's out, you know, for the rest of the fantasy season. So maybe yeah. you want to bump up Kamara a little bit. But listen, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in David Johnson, you know, and they bring in him and just have him play the Mark Ingram role, you know, and just have mm-hmm. him, you know, take away 30% of snaps. I wouldn't be surprised. It really comes down to like, yo, you need to give Alvin Kamara the ball. He needs to be on the field and he needs to be targeted a ton. And that hasn't yep. been happening lately. And that's my concern with him. This is a good matchup, relatively good matchup for running backs. But I just don't have a lot of trust in Kamara. Like, and you can see that because I only have him ranked one spot ahead of Najee Harris. Yeah. Do you think it's an Alvin Kamara problem or do you think it's the offense? I think it's the offense. Just the way that they're using him has not been good at all. I it's mean, the way that they've been using him. Yeah. yeah. Also, he hasn't been super efficient on a per-touch basis either. But at the same time, it's like you give him volume, that will take care of itself. Yeah, I'm kind of tuning out Alvin Kamara of my top 15, definitely, the rest of the season, maybe even the top 20. I think down here it makes sense the way he's been producing. And this Saints team, they don't have a whole lot to play for the rest of the season. So I'd maybe temper expectations there a little bit, unless we're playing spoiler. It's I guess you could say it's a close race in the NFC South, but it doesn't look like whoever goes from that division is going to go anywhere this season. I don't think it's going to be the Saints the way they're playing. So I think that Alvin Kamara... Definitely time for expectations. I wouldn't be surprised to see him settle here for the rest of the season at 21 in this range uh, of low RB2, high RB3. I got Jamal Williams at 23. Uh, I had Najee Harris at 22 against Carolina. Good matchup. He can get some volume in this game uh, with being probably either a neutral game script uh, or better. Uh, But Jamal Williams at 23 against the Jets. I have him down here because of the tough matchup. Will the Lions be able to score against the Jets? I think they'll put up some points, but maybe not as much as we're used to. Uh, And then I got Brian Robinson at 24 against the Giants. I think he could put up some volume in this game. We saw Miles Sanders have a huge game against the Giants, and the Giants have been vulnerable to running backs on the ground all year long. So Brian Robinson could potentially have some volume. Uh, Would you you consider playing him over some of these other guys I I have in front of him? I would maybe consider him over Najee Harris. I would maybe consider him over Alvin Kamara. 
I want to say Jamal Williams, but after what we saw with DeAndre Swift last week, you know, we could see Jamal Williams just, you know, stake a claim on that role of 16 carries, you know, maybe two touchdowns on the ground. Um, I think if they're going to get it, the ball moving, it might be on the ground against the Jets. We'll have to see. Um, but Brian Robinson, I think, you know, seems like the commanders are in love with him in terms of using him. His usage has gone way up and it's stayed there the past few weeks. So it looks like he's kind of there to stay in that backfield. I think he's overtaken Antonio Gibson in terms of fantasy value. I know he has a receiving work. Antonio Gibson does, but Brian Robinson's just been getting a hefty workload on the ground. He's been oh, yeah. slightly more efficient than he was earlier on. Um, he's a tough he's runner. He's definitely looked better. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely looked better lately for sure. He's a tough runner, and he's the hammer. It seems like they're using him pretty exclusively once they get into that red zone goal line, um, especially the goal line. You know, they're going to give him those carries. In the red zone, you see Antonio Gibson in a little bit as a receiver. They usually they they've lined him up in the slot and you know off on the wing, but um, I, I think Brian Robinson his workload is locked in enough and he's been efficient enough that I would maybe put him over Alvin Kamara, Najee Harris at this point. But Jamal okay, Williams, yeah. I'll keep over him. Probably a better bet for volume, right, Brian yeah. Robinson? Yeah, they've been yeah, running I the offense through, you know, kind of the run game. Obviously Taylor Heineke's getting it done, but that, I think that having them in the run game, Brian Robinson doing his thing has been, allowed them to be a better offense overall, and they're going to continue to do that, especially since it's what's been helping them, helping them to win these past few weeks. I got Deontay Foreman at 25. We saw this become a little bit more of a timeshare uh, between him, Chuba Hubbard, and even Blackshear as well. Uh, but Blackshear, you know, he's not very involved, but, you know, you kind of want no touches to go to any other running backs. Uh, Blackshear, even, yeah. you know, he vultured a goal line touch last week and, and turned into a touchdown. You wish that that was Deontay Foreman if you started him. But, you know, he is the one A in this backfield. Um, you know, Chuba Hubbard, if you play in a PPR league, might have a higher floor than Deontay Foreman, but I think the ceiling would probably go to Deontay Foreman, given the fact that he will most likely be their goal line guy. He, he Despite some vultures, uh, there were like seven or eight goal line snaps for the Panthers last week. He did get most of them. Uh, but yeah. Chuba Hubbard and Blackshear did kind of, you know, come in for, for some of those. Um, yeah. Consider the fact, too, that the Panthers ran it a lot last week. Oh, yeah. You know? They ran it a lot. I mean, Deontay Foreman, he still had 21 carries. Uh, Chuba Hubbard had 14, and Raheem Blackshear, like you said, had four. I don't think there's going to be that 37, 40 number of carries, you know, to go around each week for the Panthers. I was surprised that they went up and stayed up on the Seahawks. Um, that was a surprise to me. But um, I don't think that's going to happen, you know, on a week-to-week basis. They're I think it's going to happen this good. week. It, it could. It could. They have turned into a run-first offense. You know, if you look at, like, what they've been doing lately – uh, you know, they've been running the ball a lot, and that's really what they've been doing. And their defense has kind of held it down for the most part, too, which is not what we were expecting either. Right. I kind of feel like this is a better team. You know, I I was talking about this offense not being good, and that's why I don't want any part of this backfield, especially the early down guys. But now, the the fact that they have been extremely diligent and successful at running the ball, like I'm I'm in on this backfield a lot more than I was beforehand. Now it does suck that not all the work is going to Deontay Foreman, but there's so many carries to go around that both him and Chuba Hubbard are able to get done. So even if I have Chuba, I have Chuba right outside the top 30 this week. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's a solid flex play uh, this week, especially against Pittsburgh. You know, Mitch Trubisky might be the starter. You know, who knows? You know, it's possible that Kenny Pickett's back. But regardless, you know, Steelers, the Steelers aren't a team that is going to score a lot of points. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for these running backs 
in a neutral game script or positive game script to get a ton of work. So if, if I'm going to think about any, like if I'm going to try to figure out which games these running backs could combine for like 35 touches, like I think this would be one of them. It could be. I mean, is it because they combined for like 35, 40 touches last week? Would you be saying that they had like 20 touches last well, week? They, well, well, they did it two weeks ago also, right? Like uh, against Denver, right? They also did it then as well. So there, this is two games in a row where the Panthers were able to do that. And they've, be, they've been super run heavy uh, over the past couple of games, you know, with especially after Sam Darnold has come in. All right. That's fair. I hear you. I got Damian Harris at 26 uh, against the against Vegas. This is obviously assuming, like, if you notice, Ramondre Stevenson is not in these rankings because yeah. we're assuming that he's out. The reports are initial reports that he has a high ankle sprain. Now, there's nothing official that has come out that has come out about that, but it's possible that Ramondre Stevenson has a high ankle sprain, which would put him out probably for the rest of the fantasy playoffs. Unfortunately, but yeah. that's just me talking. That's just other medical Dr. experts. Siddiqui looking at Dr. Siddiqui, looking at what this injury might end up being, but hopefully it's just a low ankle sprain and he's able to come back. You know, yeah. that's the hope. Uh, but uh, if he's not playing this week, I have Damian Harris at 26 against Vegas. Uh, the Patriots can move the ball, you know, against Vegas. There's probably going to be some goal line looks, you know, ahead, uh, ahead for Damian Harris this week. He probably won't play the role that Ramondre Stevenson is playing. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. Like maybe Pierre Strong, you know, ends up you know playing a passing down sort of role, you know, to complement Damian Harris. Maybe we even see, you know, Kevin Harris come in a little bit. We've seen the Patriots run a three man show before. Uh, yeah. Damian Harris maybe with 50 percent of snaps, and then those other guys splitting the rest. That's possible too. But I think, and that's why I have Damian Harris all the way down to 26 uh, because of that uh, factor, yeah. right? Like. We could see 15 to 20 carries for Harris, but I don't expect uh, a ton of targets or anything like that for him. It'll be interesting to see how he's used because we know that, like we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast this season, you know, we haven't seen Bill Belichick go workhorse with a running back like Ramondre Stevenson, like he has with Ramondre Stevenson. So I don't think D- Damian Harris is going to do that. I wouldn't be surprised. I think they're going to rotate Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong behind him in terms of the receiving game. I think Damian Harris is going to be used ex- almost exclusively in the run game. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's the Harris squared show plus Pierre strong. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can see that. Um, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. You know, Damian Harris, you know, is a good back to keep in mind too. Like, you know, he's banged up. He might yeah. not play. Um, <laughs> it's this possible. Is, yeah. This Damian is Harris assuming he play. plays. He didn't yeah. play last week. He didn't play last week, but he did travel with the team. You know, he was doubtful, but he did right. travel with the team just in case. So, you know, that's a good sign that maybe he might be ready for this week. Right. Rashad White, have him at 27 here uh, against Cincinnati. This is, you know, a tough matchup for running backs. Uh, Leonard Fournette was very involved. I have him at 29. I have DeAndre Swift with, you know, right snap, smack dab right in the middle between White and Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, White took the lead, especially in the run game last week, and he was, you know, equally as targeted as Fournette, but Fournette ran a lot more routes than White did. So White was targeted on a higher uh, you know, uh, higher percentage of his routes. Uh, but both these guys have relatively high floors in PPR, 10 to 15 points, a uh, little bit of a tough matchup, but not as bad of a matchup as they had last week against San Francisco. So I think, right. you know, the, there's both decent starts, you know, RB3 flex play starts um, against Cincinnati. 
And then DeAndre Swift, like I have him above Fournette just because I think he has a little bit more upside, right? Yeah. A- a- against the Jets. Like it's one of those things where, like, you know, you know, how much upside does Fournette really have in this game? You know, are they going to give him the goal line looks? Are they going to give Rashad White the goal line looks if they have any? You know, because of that, I don't know. And because of the fact that Rashad White is getting such a, a bit, got such a big part, uh, big share of that rushing work last week, I think Leonard Fournette got less than 30% of the rushes for, for that backfield last week. So that's not great. Uh, yeah. So Swift, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, the pendulum swings back in his favor. Maybe we see some of that work, uh, some of the type of work that he saw in week 13 that we wanted to see last week. Maybe yeah. we, maybe that comes back a little bit this week in a, in a game where they got to get their playmakers involved um, against the Jets. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think it, the pendulum can swift back? Sw- swift yeah. back? Do you think it can swing back? Like, I feel like it can it's just there's no telling like what's going to cause him to have the workload that he had in week 13 and then what he's going to ha- when he's going to have yeah. you know last week Agreed. it seems they don't have it's a like, game plan it would for be, him it would be stupid to assume i would say that you know like i can't assume that we're going to see what we saw in week 14 yeah. and i can't assume that we're going to see what we saw in week 13 like who knows like if we i wouldn't be surprised if we saw what we had in week 13 you know so it's not like after what we saw last week, you just got to bench him, right? Mm-hmm. He's still an upside play. I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. <laughs> you know, he's, right, I exactly. think at this point, the definition of boom bust, not because of a talent issue, it's just the usage. Like, who knows what's going on? Like, to quote um, Dan Campbell, his coach, you know, he was talking about Penny Sewell getting that pass, you know, this week. Um, what the fuck are we doing with DeAndre Swift? <laughs> You know what I'm exactly. Saying? Like, what's gonna happen? Nobody knows. So it, it's interesting to see. I wonder what's gonna happen uh, with DeAndre Swift this week. Um, Me too, man. Just, Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we we can get some a good game. See, what's gonna happen is that he's gonna have a good game this week. We're gonna start him in week 16 with confidence, and then he's gonna get less touches again. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah. It's just gonna go back and forth, and then people are gonna be sitting there with him in, on their roster championship week, and they'd be like. Do I rest do I my do? championship hopes on DeAndre <laughs> Swift? <laughs> you know? Exactly. That's it's going to be tough. All right. And then I, we're closing it out with J.K. Dobbins here against Cleveland. Good matchup. You know, hopefully Tyler Huntley is going to play. If he does play, I'm cool playing J.K. If he doesn't play, I know that they might depend on the run game, but it's still going to be tough for me to play yeah. J.K. Dobbins. Uh, but, you know, they have a good defense. You know, he could get some value. But just keep in mind that Gus Edwards was very involved. He only got a couple less carries than J.K. Dobbins last week. It just happened. It just so happened that J.K. Dobbins ended up with the production. Yeah, I look at it as Gus Edwards. You know, he might be playing a larger role than he did, um, obviously, with J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins had a good week last week. But the thing is, if it is Anthony Brown or some other unnamed quarterback that we don't know that would be starting for the Ravens outside Tyler Huntley, nobody's going to have to really respect the pass. You know, they're just going to load up the box against the run. J.K. Dobbins, it could be tough sliding for him. Uh, I think having him at 30 makes sense. And that's going to do it, guys. That's our rankings, quarterback rankings, running back rankings. Good luck this week. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time for our wide receiver rankings and our tight end rankings. Uh, The Patreon is going to be updated with the rankings tomorrow uh, before tomorrow night's game. So you can go to patreon.com slash upper hand fantasy. The link is also in the description. You can find all the rankings there. Uh, positional rankings, flex rankings, all that. Um, And that's it. I appreciate you guys. We'll be back tomorrow. Big week. Big week. See you guys later.
Bye-bye. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.